Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We can change like my dreams out of reach. This pain and all this you're on Pastor Phil. Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets with my great co host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sears XM, Channel 154. Yo, we are back. That's right. You got the right channel, the right location. Sunday, 9 a.m. Central Time, 10 Eastern. On channel 154, Sirius XM, Holy Culture Radio. Man, we are so excited. We are really adamant about bringing you some deep, funky insights about our trip to Ghana for this Black History Month uh, tour, if you will, so that you can join us. We were blessed to go. I know you heard the show uh, uh, the show before that uh, show uh, where we talked about our own trip. And the show before that was with, with Joseph, the great historian who broke down some stuff about Ghana and ancestry and just the, the rich culture of, of, of what uh, you can experience if you come to Ghana. So our conversation today is with a great leader as we do our introductions, uh, who's going to talk about who he is. And we met him on this trip. Now he uh, was, he's from Chicago. Now he's in New York, but he still has that Chicago swag in New York. <laughs> and uh, he's going to uh, share a lot about uh, his own experience. I'm not going to give too much of it away now and even where he's even from and his, and his lineage and everything like that. And so I want to give it up down to DJ Ruckus, uh, who's on the mic with us. What's up, DJ Ruckus? Yo, what's good, people? Excited to be here this Sunday morning and uh, ready to talk some more about this uh, extravagant and this amazing trip that we had in Ghana and uh, happy for you all and excited for you all to meet the the guests that we have on with us today. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when we planned this trip and we went, we didn't necessarily know who else was going to go with us, y'all. So we got with Sankofa US. Uh, com. We're going to talk to them pretty soon as well. And they said, hey, there's some other people going here and there and you're going to. And so they just meshed it together. But little did we know how how tight we would get, how close this would, would be. It's like family was already at the spot, man. It was beautiful. So we'll talk more about Sankofa U.S. You got to go. You got to go with them when you do go. But right now, I want to introduce to you and present to others, Domiti Pingo. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on, Domiti? <laughs> man, it's, it's so so dope to be on with you guys, man. Like you said, I'm Domiti Pongo. I came with uh, Sankofa to Ghana. I actually met Sankofa because I was organizing tour groups for Black Americans, and I'm from the Shy, so mainly from Chicago, to experience Africa. And I know mm-hmm. we'll talk in detail about why I find that important. And mm-hmm. um, and I actually uh, started to build this relationship with them, and I, I stopped going. I didn't go for COVID. And then last year, I said, yo, I, I would love to go, and I only got two weeks to get some people to go. And so, <laughs> Lanise, who's with Sankofa Ventures, was like, 
let's put you together with a couple of groups and let, let's partner. Let's do this thing, man. Because, uh, you know, I, I, my work as a journalist has given me a big platform. So I kind of yeah. help with marketing some of these tours and trips that Sankofa's doing. Uh, so I was, I was more than happy to jump down and meet some cool brothers. And like you said, man, it's crazy how traveling together can build such a sense of community. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And then it was such a joy with your spirit, man, and your your encouragement and your swag. Maybe it's just a Chicago hookup. Y'all better know. Y'all better ask somebody. Um, but in the context of how we just blended together with you, Brittany, the other uh, uh, great uh, uh, young people, young adults uh, on the trip, and the the experience and all of that together with other African Americans from your same city. Yeah, to me, I, I don't know. We could I couldn't have orchestrated that better. In, in, in that way. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I think it was so important, too, because Chicago is an interesting city and in that is so segregated. Right. Like yeah. if somebody says then a specific neighborhood, you can tell them what that neighborhood looks like. Right? right. And so when you when you have that experience and growing up in Chicago and then you get to see that, wait, when I go to those communities with those people in it, they've got those resources that I don't have where I'm from. And yeah. I, I just felt it was, you know, growing up, that was in the back of my mind. I, I was thankful to my parents who are both Ghanaian, of course, and they moved to America in the 70s, they put me in a school that taught me about who I am. I went to a magnet school on the, on the South Side and mm. I felt like my peers, it was a pro-black magnet school, you know, and wow. I felt like my peers didn't have that same foundational upbringing that I had, some of them. And so I'm like, yo, if I could ever create something with, with, with elements of the world, get to see what I see, get to experience the world as I see it, you know, having born and raised in America, but having that Ghanaian background, I, I would do it. And then uh, that opportunity came several decades later. And yeah. that's, that's why I had that passion to put the trip together. So it's, yeah. it's dope yeah. that it, it touched y'all the way it did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, deeply. What would you say, uh, uh, Ruckus? Man, you know what? So I, I, I've I've shared that I've had the opportunity to go to Kenya. Me and Phil went to Kenya right. 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. This one was different for me. Uh, it was like I said, it's it's, it's a, it was a more of a oh, man, I am home. It was a reminder True. again. This True. is home True. for me. And man, I can't wait to go back. You know, I'm like, yeah. I, I need to go. I need to go to Africa at least every year. At least once. Right, 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 right. right, right. I mean, Muggs be going to Florida and Atlanta and Arkansas and LA. Like, yo, let's 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 do that too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) See, I'm not I'm not mad at that, man. Well, I think it's like we got to see a world outside of ourselves and see what what does it look like when you you look at a billboard and you see a reflection of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. What does that do for your self-esteem? Yeah. Uh, particularly our, our young ladies, you know, what does it mean when your interactions with, with your brother is, and you you see a group of young men walking toward you, mm-hmm. you don't have that sense of, uh, okay, let me make sure I'm on, on guard. It's yeah. a different it's a different feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm like, you know, it doesn't have to feel how it feels in some neighborhoods in, in our city, you know? That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. You said something deep, uh, Domate, when you said you went to a school right here yeah. in the city that taught you about yourself, how was that when you interacted with other cats who didn't have that experience, other African-American young men or whatever, did you see a gap in between particular things in their identity or in a conversation or in their own confidence and other things like that? I, I saw a gap in how we in the diaspora just relate to one another. And this is a small thing, but, you know, I grew up being teased for being dark skinned, for being African, the African booty scratching nicknames, the mm-hmm. the um, the making right. fun of my, my name, all of these different things. And then, you yeah. know, you, you finally meet somebody and they're like, yo, what does your name mean? And. You know, they don't know what they're they're making fun of when they make fun of what 
of my of my name. And so yeah. I started to tell them what that meaning was behind that. So it's like it it allowed me to carry my my head uh held higher, but I never received vitriol from anybody who didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. I was only teased by people who looked like me. Yeah. I remember I came back to my dad, I'm like, yo, they teased me at school, blah, blah, blah. He said, yo, then you go to them and tell them that they light skinned because their grandmother was raped by her slave master. Oh, I was, oh, 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 oh. oh my, my father. Those fighting words. <laughs> Dr. Kojo Titapongo. That's what he told me to say. And I'm six wow. years old. This is first grade, man. He, first grade. First grade. First grade. This, is, this is who, this on, is who he was. And so I didn't yeah. even know what the word rape really meant. I didn't know what it mean. Mm-hmm. That, that kids are crying. I'm fighting. I had to grow up <laughs> knowing how to fight as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Making statements like that. But then, you know, but then the backstory of it is, man, he taught me in a really abrasive way, like, the reason we deify certain complexions is because of its proximity to whiteness, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it taught me that early on in a very toxic way. Uh, wow. But, but it wasn't yeah. untrue for certain people, but it, it's that disconnect. And so I wanted to repair that disconnect so that we're not having yeah. these biting dialogues uh, uh, with, with one another. Cause essentially we just cousins that got dropped off in different places in the world. Man, <laughs> I like that. I like that. You know, I, I remember specifically in the eighties, there was, an African family that lived on our block, you know, and they were cool. I remember my mom, my godmother, and all the the ladies on the block used to go to to the lady, the mother of the house, and she would make help. They would they would all make clothes together. And then one day, the kids, they all something happened with some of the young people on, and, and on the block, and they got the clown, and fights broke out. And next thing I know, that family was moving up off the block. And it, oh, it goes, wow. it, it kind of reminded me of what you just said of the, the name calling and the jokes and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, as I've gotten older, I realized I'm like, dang, I use the term African booty scratcher, I, but I've never used it towards someone that was African. I just, it was just a word we use, right? right but I've right. never realized how hurtful it could be and how disconnecting it is for me. I'm African. I'm African American, but I'm still African. But I yeah. didn't think like that when I was younger. So right, right, right. Yeah. And we, we all have a growth, a growth period that happens. It's true. Yeah. Uh, it's because it's like a game of telephone. You know, what we experience in America as a result uh, of slavery, you know, PTSD, post-traumatic slave syndrome, yeah. uh, disorder right. that some people will call it. Uh, yeah. You could just replace the S with a C and call it PTCD in Ghana, post-traumatic colonial disorder, because right. that's yeah. what they did overseas and yeah. then you do the same thing in the caribbeans and just replace yeah. so it's it's all of them telling us what to think about one another and then you yeah. get in community yeah. with one another and be like man before you opened your mouth i thought you you was from 79th like you you got the same features my cousin got that i yeah. have exactly yeah. right yeah. the swag everything right right, right. you know and, and that's, that's when you know it's pure it's like yo this is like home yeah, yeah. this is real and, this and is you real. know to hear you say people made fun of you for your name. I'm I'm like, hey, can I get an African name? I'm tired of this American name. I want a real African name. I don't want I don't want Terrence Foster anymore. I'm like my, my last name X, dog on it. <laughs> All right. 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 Cause it, it is a sense of that that both uh, 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 identity is now reshaped. Yeah. This is who the heck I really am, and I want everything that comes with that. Yeah. I want everything that comes with that. But I was going to ask you, uh, Domite, like as a professional in your field, man, understanding the awareness of where you are, how does that affect 
how you engage. I mean, in the work that you do in media and various things like that, how do you bring it uh, uh, to folks so that it's esteemed or, or it's, or it's, um, you know, made aware, or is that even a part of it? Engage in what way? You mean uh, when we're on the continent or? Yeah. Like, 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 like the various elements that that you do, and you can share various things that you do, but, but how uh, in your profession, uh, with who you are as a Ghanaian and who you are and the and the ownership of that identity, how does that come come through? Or is it? It may not even be uh, uh, in purposeful. It's just maybe how your swag is and how it affects other people. I just wonder oh, yeah. if there is if there is if there is a, a sort of a mission even in your own heart. Like when I'm in these spaces, I'm trying to affirm this is who we are through your through your business. Yeah, it's a great question because you know when we first. When I first got into the business, um, I almost had to change my name because it was too, quote unquote, ethnic. And and ironically, that advice came from another black person. Wow. Uh, And and, yo, there we go. But but it was out of it was out of um, it was out of love and care for my career, because, you know, if the viewer can't pronounce your name, it it, especially in a traditional news context. It's not good for branding. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I had the conversation about, man, I mean, with my name comes a story. So even when I sign off, no matter what story I'm telling, when I say my name, you wonder what is that? What is what is the rest of his story? You know, my first name, yeah. Domiti, means the pillar or backbone of the family. And Pongo means workhorse. And so those names, you know, as you guys know, you guys received your day names. Names have such a big cultural meaning uh, to Africans, yeah. as they do to African-Americans. We don't just name our, ourselves right. anything, oh, you know, anything else, you know. We got yeah. Yeah. TJs, you know, I don't know if Terrence and Julia <laughs> that, but all of our names carry carry some weight. And so uh, just that simple thing of deciding to keep my name on yeah. air was yeah. a representation of who I am. Now, take that a step further. I only accept projects that are going to edify my people, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's in a in a over-the-head historical context, or if it's the kind of questions that I'm asking an artist on the red carpet. Uh, For context, I work at Paramount. So everything from MTV News to the Smithsonian Channel to VH1, those are the projects I cover. So when I was on VH1 and I was involved with uh, the uh, Love & Hip Hop spinoff, I wasn't going to partake in the coonery that we normally see on the show, like Love and Hip Hop. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> well, we, what my show was that I hosted was a two-part special called Lineage to Legacy, where Mona mm. Scott conceived of this idea where every, the cast members of Love and Hip Hop would get their African ancestry done. And then the cast of Black Ink would tattoo and ink their legacy, as they called it, uh, a symbol of the African place that they're from. So that's yeah, that's how I bring yeah, who I am yeah, to yeah. everything I do, man. I, yeah. That's my That's my mission. That's... That's why I asked that question because I I, I I feel the vibe of you th- just in, in our time together. Like that's some twenty thirty nine thinking. So so the mugs are like I like yo they, they you're you're projecting seeds and 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 power in their life that that they just maybe seen it as a loss, but now you're awakening just in your standard of, of the engagement so that folks don't always tag people in that way. Yo, we're going to be right back with Domiti Pongo, Pastor Phil, DJ Ruckus. Man, this is a great show. We're talking about Ghana and and, and really what is the big deal about going to Ghana for African-Americans? What we're going to come back and talk about. Yo, Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church in the street. You're listening to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church in the streets. Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM 154. Come right back. We got more in store. Tell them 
Yo, we are back, man. If you've been with us, man, I know you're excited to be back, too. Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets, man. Channel 154, Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM. We're here with my main man, DJ Ruckus. And, and my man, you know, Pastor Jay, he doing pastoral stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, we holding it down. We're we going we gonna to keep him alive in the studio while he's not around with us right now. And our great friend, Domiti Pongo, who is a Ghanaian uh, 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 brother who... Grew up in Chicago, been the but but, but it's from the Volca region in Ghana. Give us a little bit of of, of your lineage in that in that context too. Yeah, man. And once again, thank you for having me. Shout out to Pastor Jay. I know you weren't able to be here, but <laughs> what up, Pastor Jay? But uh, I'm I'm a, um, the son, the proud son of Ghanaian immigrants. My parents are from the Volta region. We're at Edwes. Uh, I've got two big sisters who are who are my my best friends. Oh, Those man. are my dogs. But I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, um, and then moved to Cal City for my high school years. So I went to TF North High School. And, uh, you know, that's my upbringing. So I always had a, an African household, but I lived the Black American experience. So I had a little bit of both. It's, it's wow. funny. These conversations have been floating online about whether African-Americans. Have you guys seen this? Whether African-Americans have culture or Black Americans have culture? Wow. Have you been seeing these conversations? And I don't even know why it's a conversation because we <laughs> obviously, obviously. Black Americans have culture. We've created a culture that's been replicated across the world multiple times over. Um, and so when I did the Love and Hip Hop show, which we were talking about a moment ago, I remember one of the cast members said, I don't need to go to Africa because I have culture. I'm from New Orleans. Like, that's who I am. And I'm like, no, no, no. The, adding Africa to, to your lineage isn't an erasure of your culture. It's enhancing. So you know what some of the things that we got, where it originates from. Yeah. And... It, it, it adds to it. You know, it adds yeah. another layer of the story. It's like it's like me saying I don't need to go to Mississippi when the Great Migration is why so many Chicagoans right. are have grandmothers that are from Mississippi. <laughs> right. So we got that. That So Mississippi, even without me going there, is a part of my DNA yeah. as far as my aesthetic, my culture, my upbringing. Yeah. In the same way, Africa is a part of who we are, yeah. whether we know it or not. You know. Yeah. That That's so irritating that folks uh, uh, we don't have no culture. I mean, that I saw something that popped up on some social media piece. I didn't click it on YouTube or something like that, but... You don't mean, click it. It's a, it's a doggone mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I, I've been one who said we don't have culture. I have Puerto Rican friends. I have Mexican friends. I got friends of several different backgrounds and cultures, right? And so I, I'm always studying and looking at what they do culturally as their people. And then I look at us and I'm like, man, we're so disconnected from from home, from Africa, that we don't bring any of that culture with us. It's still in our DNA, but we don't bring any of those same rituals with us. It's all lost. Right. Unless we're going back to study it and learn it. And so that's what I mean when I say we don't have the culture. We don't have the culture that's ours. We had to make something yeah. up here in America. But, you know, all, to some degree, all culture is made up, you know, you know, all, <laughs> yeah. you know it's, 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 a, it's a people deciding together uh, how we how we're going to move. And some of those remnants of African culture still are seen unbeknownst to us today that we have remixed with, whether it's pouring out liquor for your dead homie. That's a libation. Mm -hmm. exactly. Or if you're sitting on the porch, we, we grew up sitting on the porch. My mama hated it because she thought it was ghetto. But sitting <laughs> on the porch it, in, in some African communities was a sign of a, of a household's wealth. 
because mm. this is the father saying, look how many kids I have that are going to succeed yeah. me. Mm. And yeah. the grandma saying, look at how many lives I'm responsible for and help to create. Wow. And so like that, being able, I'm rich, I'm able to support all these people on this porch. So there's a, there's a context, you know, for that too. And that's what we do in the hood and all the way to mm. our, you know, how we carry on in church, how we carry on with funeral. Even yeah. the culture of a black man walking past another one and giving the, the little head nod, yeah, it's up, you yeah. know, it's, it's cultural, you yeah. know? So I know, yeah. what, I do know what you mean yeah. though, because hip hop culture and pop culture has bastardized black American culture mm. and it, it has cast a black, sh- a dark shadow yeah. over the edifying parts of our culture. So I do know yeah. what you mean, but you know, I just push back a little bit when I hear that. No. Cause no. And I get your side I too. I, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that because uh, in, 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 in hearing both and talking to both, because when you go then to Africa, when you go to Ghana specifically, you recognize this is the root of where I'm from. Like the yeah. function you just talked about the porch, you talk about the family, the, the, the missing element is the, the, the holistic pride and joy of that. Sure. Mugs on the porch because they just out here looking for the ops. They, they out here like, what the, the honey's at? They, ain't nobody on the porch talking about looking at my family. Like, I'm staying in the house because my kids right. are ratchet. I mean, why, that's, that's why cool. we take the TV out of, side, out of the box and then put the blanket over it. Like, don't nobody see it to bring it in the back door. Right, <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows that. <laughs> look, look, when we bought a TV, some some sixty inch thing. I took that box. I threw it away down the street right. at another dumpster. I'm like, Come on. <laughs> Don't be in my house. You ain't gonna pay attention to no new purchases over here. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. You right? Just yeah, culture. it's culture. <laughs> so that's 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 our created culture that we live in. But it's some of that. Some of that is part of our trauma too, and it plays a part yeah, into the culture we have. That's true. And see, to me, I think when you for that healing of that trauma too, or the start of that healing of some of that trauma, going back home, recognizing, you know, I'm 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 okay. Like, you know, even my brothers here, and, and the, the the value and the and the ethics and the morals and the character. I think, and I'm not saying it's just blanket with everybody in Africa. I know there's all kind of crazy stuff that happens everywhere because we're human beings. Right. But the reality of that other missing element to be that uh, uh, affirming, like when we went to. Went to the Chance the Rapper concert, went to the to New Year's Eve piece. There were no dudes, and not that I saw, like I would see in the hood or see at another concert, sweating the ladies like they would in some other spot. They'd be all over the it was it was respectful. I ain't saying they weren't probably trying to holler. They were probably maybe trying to holler in a different way, but it was it was everybody I felt felt they were safe and felt that they were at home in a space that was going to be respected because of ancestral uh, connection, because of their faith, because of the intertwined connection of who they were as a people. And that element right there, even though there is some 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 likeness to that, uh, when you do go back home. I think coming back, you'd be like, you know what? This is why I want to be on the porch because I want to show the pride of my people, and my family in that in that avenue. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's that's very true. It's funny. I was talking about and if anybody has ever gone to a festival and you know how frustrating it can be. People bumping into Ooh. your drunk people. Uh, if you're trying to push your way to the front, you might yeah. end up tussling with somebody a little bit. Right. It was weird how much elbow room. We had at these festivals, yeah. despite the fact that we were amongst fifty five thousand people, yeah. because there was a different respect of person and space. Yeah, in that in that space. So I know exactly what you mean. Or really, it's almost like it's these subtleties that's so hard to explain unless people experience them. Yeah, and it's like yeah. you got to see what it's like when you see that many black people. You don't feel like 
All right, let's get out of here. It's going before a certain right, time. All right. Let me, you know, you, you didn't really have that. Where my wallet you know, at? Let me put food. my wallet in my front pocket. <laughs> yeah. Right. But none and of it's that. It's not like poverty. Yeah. And it's not like poverty isn't isn't rampant, right? right. It's right. not like so. So what is it? It's it's something that has gone wrong within America. Like yeah. I, one example why, why we also feel safe, some of it's political, but it's about gun laws and, and who's allowed to have a gun and proliferation of guns in a country like Ghana versus a country like right. America. So it's like, yeah, black America has a gun problem, but America has a, has gun, a problem. gun problem. So, yeah. you know, if, if what they say, if a white person, if white America sneezes, black folk catch the flu. And so right. some of those right. are part of the sickness of right. colonialism and of us being forcibly moved to to america that's what that's what we're dealing with and so yeah like you said uh ruckus we're going back home and is uh is a connection to that a connector of that tissue right. you know and when dr joy on her book and her, her lectures and stuff like that post-traumatic slave syndrome she talks yeah. about that when the mother who just whose daughter's maybe 12 in the cotton field with her um, and, the, and the slave co- slave owner comes by and says, like, oh, your girl, she, you know, she's feeling out. Oh, no, she ain't. She lazy, blah, 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 to cut her down so you won't rape her. Then that carries all the way through to the mom watching her daughter play volleyball and like, well, your girl really get it, but she lazy in school. Now you're still doing the same, the same thing, thing that was it was perpetrated all the way through from, from slavery, right? And so it's one of those kind of things. Like, so, so you find that even African-American culture, we look for the next thing to, to dish you about. We at the concert, look at them shoes. Mm-hmm. Look at them shoes. Look, look, look. And, 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 or don't bump me. We got a meme mug. We got a, we got a, we got a what is my, my cheese mug. We got to stand up and push back in something where, no, nah, brother, you just kind of come through and, 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 you know, as long as we're respectful and moving through and, and, and welcoming that yeah. piece. Like, yeah. like, like, no, I've been here. I, I've been, you should have got here early and, and, and having attitudes and all that kind of stuff yeah. like that and being able to welcome that, that piece, you know, so where there is almost just a joy. I, 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 I mean, I was, you know, Cass was dancing. We was around and they was dancing right then. I mean, you know, they were like, you know, uh, just moving. It was just a beautiful welcoming, um, experience as, as though you were there with your cousins already already right? and it, and it was was dope about the dialogue too talking about some of the you know more reductive aspects of, of african culture where africans learn from black americans when they come it's to appreciate what even africans are taking for granted culturally right mm. so when you when we like my dad got an inside <laughs> joke he's joking but you know i ask him every time i go to the arts and crafts market yo you want me to bring you anything back he was like, you don't need to br- stop going and shopping for junk. Don't bring all those carved up junks back. Those drum- I don't need any more drums. I don't need any more masks. It's all junk. And I'm like, no, it's art. And so we're joking about that. But I'm like, no, really, when our tour guides see how happy we are when we get this carving that they see all the time. But and, yeah. or when we go to the Kente village and, and we're like, wow, tell us the meaning behind this. And yeah. and they see how precious we regard those things. It allows them to take more pride in it. Mm. And then that's yeah. when we stop having, you know, uh, uh, sisters with beautiful, thick, nappy yeah. hair in Africa wearing these crazy yeah. wigs. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, black black women are coming here to get what you got. White women want what you got. Right. You All know, right. so I think we're also learning that, too. And even uh, enterprising black Americans who are coming and starting businesses and yeah. having so and bringing resources. So it's a double exchange. There's a, a cultural exchange <laughs> where we both are filling gaps for one another. Now, I got yeah. a question yeah. for you. Some years ago, Smokey Robinson did a poem, said, I'm black, not African. Right. I've heard so many black folks state that I'm not African. 
And then you got you, you even have the, the the Dominicans and maybe Haitians say, I'm not black. I'm, I'm Haitian. I'm this. Right. How do you feel when you hear people not associate themselves with being African and say, I'm black, I'm American, I'm not African? My first question is, what is your aversion to Africanness? Mm. Mm. Why don't you want to be African? Just just mm. whatever that answer is, let it be what it is. Mm. But yeah. you you can, you know, people can intellectualize and say what they want. You tell yourself, why don't you want to be African? Mm. And if it's mm-hmm. because, oh, I'm proud of where I am currently, then I would say to you, that's fine. I think that everybody, if if you are we deserve, we have built this country. We deserve to be called right. Americans, full stop. Because when you see a white person, they're just, and you, you're checking a box and, you, you know, they're, they're, their nationality, they come first. When you think American, they're just American. Why do we need these right. signifiers? Mexican-American, Chinese-American, African-American, right? So it, I, I get it because it that category seems like you're putting another race on another tier. But my only question is, what is the aversion to Africanness? And why is it yeah. that every culture in the world is trying to forget the African aspect of themselves? Mm-hmm. And we really got to dig into that. You never hear a white person saying, yeah, you know, my grandfather's from Ireland, but I was born in Chicago, so I don't celebrate St. Patty's Day. I'm not Irish. Right. They out there deep for St. Patty's they Day. They out there deep. And they have been Green in America. Hair, that family may have been in America for five generations, right? Mm-hmm. They're further removed from their Irish yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, connect. So what is that? But that's so good. In, in, in that conversation, I do see like I, I want people to know that embracing your Africanness is not an erasure of your Americanness. And and that's or your, or your black Americanness. That's not it's just yeah. another element of it. It's just something else to tap into. It's something you can also call yeah. yours. The world is ours. It's more of us of color than anybody else. Yeah. We are the global True. majority. Tap into that because when you separate yourself yeah. from the majority, you are separating yourself from numbers that can edify and build you and your community. The global majority. Man, you know, I ain't never global. thought of that. Hey. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? We're only minorities here. Hey, I'm going to start telling right. people I ain't a minority. We're the global majority. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> Got to change the narrative on that. <laughs> exactly. Right. exactly. That, that's, that's my thought, man. That's that. That's that. Um, uh, the media mongol uh, uh, um, <laughs> <understanding that. laughs> knowing that deep insight that way, man. Well, what would you say? Like we've been talking about it back and forth, but like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I mean, I want to, I want to go, you know, back to Africa, maybe, or go to Ghana. Like, what would be, what would be in a conversation you've had a little bit already here, but even with other folks, you know, about about that reality that that maybe could spark that. That that reality of, of that identity being regrounded or grounded in that space. What would you Man, say? Man, I, I think I would pull back and just talk about the benefit of travel in general, right? Just being able okay. to see a world outside of yourself. You know, uh, I don't know right. if you guys have heard this analogy before. I'm gonna do a shortened version. If you take a flea, uh, put it in a jar, and put a lid on that jar. Let's say you, you put a flea in a jar. The flea will jump out of the jar easily. If you put yeah. a lid on that jar and then remove that lid, the flea will only jump as high as the lid was because mm-hmm. it only knows what the possibility is. Not only that, yeah. they did a study where these insects had children and the children, even with the lid off, only jumped as high as what they seen their parents jump. Wow. So relating that to travel, when your world is only as small as what you see around you, it changes your yeah. vision for what's possible. 
it enhances your perspective. So that's travel in general. Now imagine going yeah. to a place where everybody is like-minded, like-blooded, and it feels like home, even when things are unfamiliar. You could see remnants yeah. of things that remind you of what you grew up with in this in this foreign yeah. place. And so I think it just expands your worldview, a worldview on just a basic level. And and you that's know, and it, and travel is, is a good way of taking the lid off. Man, that's so good. That's so good. Yo, you listen to Church on the Block, real talk about hip hop the church in the streets, man. We're gonna be right back, Domati Pongo, and we're gonna go deeper into faith and his faith journey and how does that relate as a Ghanaian. Yo, we'll be right back. Yo, you're listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Do not, you hear me? Do not touch that dial. Do not touch that knob. Don't unplug the Bluetooth. Stay right here with us. We have been enjoying our conversation. As you know, we're diving deeper into our movement in our engagement and the restoration of our own hearts and life as we went to Ghana over the Christmas break. And we're doing this deep dive into it during Black History Month by the interviews of great people and friends that we've met and family really that we connected with on the trip. And uh, we've been talking to Domiti Pongo, who is just been breaking down. Like, I don't know if you heard, he like took my bars really like a few minutes ago with that whole story, but it was just uh, a beautiful insight. And so we are walking through um, his life, his uh, understanding, and growing up in Chicago, he's Ghanaian, right? And so the family, the, the vocal region, the reality of that has never left him. And that is a beauty uh, to me because when I went there, I'm seeing Ghanaian men as kings. They talking to each other boss to boss. Like they are like, and ain't nobody threatened. Ain't nobody threatened. I'm like, that part has been beaten out of us in the diaspora to me, right? And the reality of that level of authority with affirming your authority, well, I'm saying, no, I'm paying this much or no, we're going to move in this direction um, and nobody's disrespected. Everybody understand. And, and I'm again, I'm not trying to paint a picture like everything's just golden. There's human beings in the midst of this, but the reality of how that identifies and affirms my identity and our identity. And so one of the things that was beautiful to learn was um, just the Ghanaian faith and, you know, Ghana being a Christian nation. And sometimes that's good to say. Sometimes it can be like this Christian nationalism, but that's not what I felt. I did, we and we did talk about this on our first show about the frustration with seeing all these doggone signs all over the place talking about, it was almost like I'm in America, like we're going to a watch night anointing service and we're going to the prosperity gospel yeah. 12 o'clock. What? Get out of here with this non- <laughs> Or you'll ride through a village and you won't see many buildings, just, you know, little shanty houses. But the most elaborate, well-built building might be a big church Man. in the middle of this this dirt road that right. we're rolling past. So, right. yeah, it's exactly. How it is in America. Exactly. And, 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 and we talked about this in one show. This is a European epistemology of knowledge and theology. This European theology where we've adopted and almost demonized our own history of the I'm going to Africa Wanting to learn what's the root. Y'all older than America. <laughs> Y'all got deeper roots about God and the connection. So teach me. I taught in Ghana. I mean, in Kenya. And I'm teaching these cats and I'm talking about, I got, I got these tattoos right here. And, um, and the guy was like, you know, um, these tattoos you're wearing. I'm like, yo, you've been brainwashed. The Maasai tribe got tattoos on their face. What you talking about? And, it's, and these are pastors. These, these are Maasai 
tribe leader passion with tattoos. They're not saying I got to take these tattoos off to be a passion. No. Wait, wait, what, 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 what was their response when you said like, yo, no, you, your I'm, culture has these tattoos. What they say? It, they didn't, they never had anybody bring it to like, Where did you learn this? Was it some adaptation from some European missionary who came and taught you this? This is not how God has wired us in, 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 in meeting you at right where you are to take you where God will have you to be, to be abandoning both the culture of who you are um, while you are bathing in, bathing who you are in your in, in your in your love for the Lord, so because then another guy came and talked about his son's hair. My son is wearing locks. I'm like, yo, are the missionaries? I'm looking around. Are the missionaries still here? What mission? Like, like who was talking? Right. Is this real time? Are you talking to me right now? Real time? You talking about right. hair? I'm, I feel like Alan Iverson. We talking about practice. We talking about practice. right, right. We talking about hair. We talking about hair, man. Like we got cats in uh, America thinking they're being like Africans because they're wearing locks. Like what you talking right. about? And I just told him that and, and tried to like, man, just let it be hair. Love on your boy. Let, let love on your boy. Because guess what? When he's thirty. He gonna be like, man, I need to get this. I need, to, I need to figure this out here. I got, I got the locks. Or he may love the locks. He may dress them up, but don't bug out on the whole destiny of your son. But I think when I look at that as a snippet of European epistemology of knowledge, study of knowledge, European theology invading yeah. and and whitewashing, if you will, this whole um, authentic space in faith, man. And so I am grateful for the learning that we had about uh, ancestral heritage, right, and recognizing the fact that. You know, we talk about uh, the, the the power of uh, how Uncle So and So would be, and I love how Uncle So and So, and that's that to me is that connection to that uncle. Man, I would love how uh, Grandpa Charlie Man would be on the boat. He was adventurous, and I'm adventurous that way. You want to identify that. You don't want to lose that. But European theology says that's ancestor worship, and so. Um, is that correct? But then you look at Hebrews chapter 11 that says, let me tell you about these cats from back in the day and his faith and his faith. And his, I mean, like he just hold a whole chapter of ancestors that we standing on the shoulders of. Begat, 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 begat. <laughs> if it wasn't important, if ancestors weren't important, we wouldn't be the sons of Abraham. Yes. <laughs> and, and if it wasn't important, we wouldn't have a whole little, that whole chapter with nothing but the word begat, naming the ancestral lineage. <laughs> Yes. of these figures in the Bible. Yeah. So they know it's important. Yeah. yeah, And then every every time in the Old Testament or, or even New Testament, be like, oh, that's Phil. His mom is Catherine. His dad is James. It's a lineage. They go, oh, so he cool to talk to because I know James. It's that. That's, that's, it's the yeah. character of my mama and dad that says, oh, okay, cool. In the Bible, it's spitting the whole business of that dude's family so that people know What's happening? When I was talking to um, John, uh, Joseph, he was like, I can tell you where you're from and what tribe you're from by your name. Mm, Yo, yeah. I'm like, you can't tell Shaquisha? I can tell you where Shaquisha from, though. She's from the hood. But that element, Mercedes, her name Mercedes. Mercedes. I mean, it's, 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 it's just changed the, the value and the validity of even even in the name and and uh you know I remember some things happened in our family we had grandmothers pass like in a month's time like just matriarchs we was what is going on and my son said I'm going back to school I told grandma I mean he was leaning on the lineage of what he told his grandpa I mean I get shook up talking about it right now like he was an artist or two he was killing it but it was like I told my grandma I wanted to be proud of me and he still uh, and he was talking like, Grandma, I'm doing this now. That's important right. to have. And we we have been, that's been diluted and deleted. 
a lot a lot of theological places. So I'm glad you gained a cultural backdrop because that's what made my faith journey so interesting. So I am a Christian, but I didn't grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, you know, it, it wasn't shunned. It wasn't. It was just we just didn't. We we're kind of agnostic, I guess you would say. And so my my dad actually how he ended up in. Chicago was, he went to the University of Chicago and originally majored in philosophy. He has a PhD in theology. And I believe his earliest goal was to translate the Bible into Edwin, right? He was, he was on that, but he looked at the Bible and he looked at religion as, um, an academic practice, Mm. not really a source of faith. Um, he wasn't faithless, but he was in that searching period during those college years. Right. So as he, as he explains it to me, and then the more he saw and talked and saw these philosophers that were Greek (laughs) and, you know, Heidegger and all of these different people who, while he's fly. And then when he started reading the Bible and he saw all of these things that were very Eurocentric that pushed him away from the faith. So the more he learned, uh, in the Western education system, the le- the more he lost his faith. So right. I ended up coming to feel that same way, seeing the mm-hmm. image of white Jesus. Why would I worship right. that, et cetera? How I ended up becoming a Christian was my mom introduced me to a pastor. We had a traumatic event in our, in our family. Mm-hmm. I, I in- was introduced to a pastor and he prophesied back a dream to me that I had. An African pastor, Ghanaian, Pastor Charles Entry. He mm-hmm. prophesied a dream that I'd had that I hadn't told anyone about. Man. Never spoke. So I was like, okay, it's something what he's saying. Wow. And then, so whatever book he's reading or whatever he's saying, this is the faith that I need to. If he was a Buddhist, I'd have been a Buddhist. You know, that's that's when I started to have this soul searching of, okay, so where am I in the Bible? Yes. Where are Africans in the Bible? And then you yes. start to see that the Garden of Eden encompassed the land of, of Ethiopia, don't it say? And the, right. the, and the river that came through it. Trading river, yeah. Yeah, so, so, they, so I saw myself there. Then I saw these mentions of Ethiopians in the New Testament. Then I thought about how the Bible was put together and yeah. who was thought to have put it together and how Africans loved oral history yes. and how we lost some of that and how this, you know, so it was a whole conversation. So going back to your original question at the top of how faith intertwines with my Africanness, I started to find that one, most of the things that, you know, have been deified are a in the Bible, but also <laughs> come from African culture, like you said, with ans- yeah. ancestry and looking yeah. at our ancestors, but, but, but also uh, that, a lot of it is ritualistic and traditionalist. And yeah. the, the story of how that image became to be Jesus Christ, it's, it's all been bastardized. We know that wasn't what he looked like, <laughs> right. you know? And so that right. that that evolution, those conversations and, and a lot of just self-searching changed it. And my relationship with God is, and I know people say this, but I, but I mean it and we mean yeah. it when we say it, it's spiritual. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a real one-to-one connection. Yeah. And I can't deny the blessings that I've received, the right. opportunities that I have that don't even make sense exactly. that God had to have his hand in. You right. Know? Right. Wow. That's true. That's true. Cause it's like, I ain't that smart. There's no way. Yeah. There's no I way. Can, I didn't put this together. Yeah. My, yeah. My, my, my wife's in Puerto Rico now and she's just struggling. She's struggling. She, she has a company that's real estate. She owns a home there. She's rehabbing and some challenges and some challenges kick back here with some of the projects that turned down her proposals. But man, she went on a tour. She's the only African-American woman on this tour. All white women, a few Puerto Rican women and um, a Filipino lady. She gets out this tour, 50 people. She goes in this house. They're looking at a, at a like a like a hostel and how this lady does this hostel. It's a white lady. And the white lady says, 
You is who I've been looking for. And she just spoke life into my wife. Like you bring us back. You get the Puerto Rican. She was, my wife was like, I mean, all the whole trip there, she was just discouraged. Should I do this? Should I just sell this place? And this woman just spoke. I said, baby, that's God talking. Mean, you probably don't even got this lady's number because she don't even exist here, angel. So she probably just <laughs> right. showed up in that moment. You know what I mean? Right, right. But but I'm saying we're not that brilliant to have uh, that to be set up to know in the moment she needed that. That woman is there to say, you, out of all these other women, you is who I've been looking for. We need holistic restoration. She was talking about, yeah, the white folks going to go eat at the white Puerto Rican coffee shop down the street. Ain't no Puerto Ricans own that. But I, as a white woman, going to go to a Puerto Rican shop down the street and support the indigenous people here. And that's what we need. And my wife was just, that's her whole whole vibe with that piece. And I just say that because there are things, if we're not aware um, we're missing how God is moving in those spaces. Yes. I, I think because African Americans, Africans are so experiential. You watch the conversations with the Ghanaian cats, and probably I, if I sat with you at your house and family, probably in, in the Volcker region, you probably would be a different way, or maybe even at the crib. But yeah. they so much energy back and forth, and blah blah blah. And it's like we are emotional, we are present, we are engaging, and and it's it's joyful, and it's and it's like ain't no threat, ain't no intimidation. And I say that because I think in the same thing, God knows we need experiential a, a, a connection in that spot, like the the like the the man the the pastor who prophesied in that speech. That was God setting that whole thing up because. If it would have been a text message, it wouldn't have resonated. If it would have been a sermon, it may not have resonated, but it was a personal thing that God knew specifically that you needed in that spot. And, I, and I've seen God happen. That happened so many other times before, man. That, yeah. That's so true. And that, that's, and, and so it's like we, we put ourselves in a trick bag and that's how the enemy works. We put ourselves right. in a trick bag because he, 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 a lot of lies that are effective have a little bit of truth in them. Always. Right. So you don't have it. a little bit of truth. And that's what they've done with spirituality to turn yes. us away from it. Those of us who are woke in consciousness, they perverted yes. it and put their faces on it. And so, I, but, but the, even African spiritual spiritualism, they know the value of it as well, because if you'll recall at one of the slave, slave castles, I can't remember if it was Elmina or Cape Coast, but it was the one where there was a, a voodoo priest in yes. the back who was next to this rock. That was a relic. Uh, the Portuguese actually built the slave castle at this site where this spiritual rock, Right. Was located. Yeah. Yeah. Why did they choose yeah. that place to build Ooh. this thing that was yeah. subjugate an entire nation and destabilize an entire race of people? If you exactly. don't know how powerful it is. Exactly. exactly. Same with the, <laughs> so so there, there's something to African spiritualism. Uh, people say what they want about, um, you know, even what voodoo priests do in terms of sacrifices, goats and rituals and such, as if yeah. the Old Testament didn't have all of those things happening in them. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. Right. right. I mean, so we, we have a whole we have a lot. So the more you dig into it, the more it actually strengthens your faith. We look at the root of why all these things come from. It does. It does. It does. It does. And the reality of how whether it's 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 because it's European theology that we've adopted and, and we protect it so much uh, that we even demonize our own our own stuff. You go to Trinity. We are unapologetically Christian, but we are unapologetically black. Right. right. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and it's not like saying y'all horrible because you're not black or African-American. It is saying we're not ashamed of that. And we're going to be, we're going to affirm in all of the essence of who we are in this space. Right. And being able to, to live in that versus a world that says, 
you shouldn't, and perhaps you should calm down and stop in, in that kind of move, right? And yeah. so when we when we when we when we look at when we look at just the spiritual formation of our life, we cannot. And I'm encouraging cats, you cannot uh, avoid um, your African heritage and where the root of that comes from, yeah. um, and and being able to study that and understand that versus defending and protecting um, this European theology that you've adopted and being able to um, uh, fight for that. One pastor told me, not me, but on the radio, black theology is soul theology and white theology is is intellectual. I'm like, you saying our stuff is stupid because we sing a lot? Yo, if, you, if you hear that enough, or if you're like, yeah, you're right, we do, man. We, we it's in our soul. It's, it, so you're saying there's no real critical thinking out of thousands of years? So you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I want I want to uh, really quickly a thought that 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 sparked is the reason why we abhor some elements of African culture, uh, African American culture is because white folks have demonized something as simple as eating chicken, right? Yeah. Like if we say rice is a staple uh, for a Spanish family, that doesn't come with anything negative, but we Ooh. eat chicken, and that comes with something. Negative. So it made yeah, us yeah. ashamed of what makes us us. So even yeah. what we have is culture that is yeah. not neither evil. Nor angelic yeah. is looked at as less than because that is the lens through which white folks looked at it. And so I, I, I try to create work that re, <laughs> reframes that narrative, man. So Keep I doing thank that. you for, for having me and giving me a chance yeah. to even engage and have this conversation, man. How can people reach you or connect with you? Man, I'm at Domati, D-O-M-E-T-I, on all social media. You can connect with my newsletter on Domati, D-O-M-E-T-I dot net. Got multiple shows coming out on MTV News and MTV Ooh, and some docuseries with uh, Smithsonian Channel. So stay in tune with me and uh, some exciting news to come your way soon. Yo, you've been listening to Church on the Block, man. Real talk about hip hop, the church in the streets. Ruckus, what's up? Peace. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets. Back here next week, same time, same channel, Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM Channel 154. Come with us.